We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And we've got some news uh, that broke today that uh, Mike and I can't entirely get into, but we're going to look at it from a certain angle of of kind of what the Lakers' needs are going into free agency, presuming that this deal goes down. And with details of the trade, Darius is going to uh, fill us in on that. So what are, what are we looking at? We're looking at a trade, Pete, a trade between the Lakers and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are seemingly entering full rebuild, right? And it's that's an idea that we t- that we've talked about recently in the Western Conference pods, um, and talking about where potential playoff teams might might go. And so the deal, as it's being reported, would be Danny Green. And the Lakers' number 28 draft pick in the upcoming NBA draft in exchange for Dennis Schroeder, uh, backup point guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder and former Atlanta Hawk. Um, I'm not going to get into too many of the details about my thoughts about Schroeder at this point. This was news that just broke earlier today, and I want to watch more film on him um, and get a better sense of how he he might or might not fit with this Lakers roster. But um, in terms of the deal in well, well in and of itself, um, I'm generally happy about what this could look like for the Lakers um, getting a playmaking and scoring threat in the backcourt has seemingly been a priority for this team going all the way back to earlier this season with the discussions that they had with Darren Collison right as a potential guard and Schroeder and Collison are not necessarily similar players but 
there's some overlap there in terms of the type of role that I think we would see from that type of player. So I'm less interested at this particular moment of diving into to Schroeder and all of his skill sets and what he would or would not be for the Lakers and more interested in what it means from the Lakers side in terms of as they go into free agency and the impacts that this potentially has on their roster, right? Especially if Danny Green is going to be sent out. I should say one last thing about the terms of the deal. We're recording this on Sunday. The NBA's moratorium on trades ends on Monday morning at, I think, 9 a.m. Pacific time. And this specific trade could not be consummated and completed until after the NBA draft, when the Lakers actually use their number 28 selection, in theory, drafting for the Thunder and then sending that player along with Green to OKC. The reasons for that are because the Lakers already owe future draft picks to the Pelicans as part (laughs) of the Anthony Davis trade. And so they're unable to trade this year's pick until after a player is selected. That's a little wrinkle within the collective bargaining agreement that I won't get into right this moment. But if the deal goes, goes down, the Lakers would have themselves a new guard and they would be sending out a player and, and a draft pick. So I'd like to kick it back to both of you in terms of we're going into free agency now and, There were already things that I think the Lakers were going to try to upgrade, right? And we've talked about this a fair amount, like what could the Lakers do and should they run it back and where could they improve and a lot of those those ideas. And so I'll leave this open-ended and and not even kick it to anyone specifically. Oh, well, Mike, do you have some ideas about this? Well, I want to take this back to an ongoing text conversation that Pete and I specifically had all last year and, and our buddy Aaron Larsoul uh, was in on this as well. And it the basic premise was, do the Lakers have enough secondary ball handling? And the three of us had sort of varying perspectives uh, on that. And I I think my, if I can represent my own opinion on it was that they were going to be fine, mostly in the playoffs because LeBron James was going to be on the court uh, for longer to start A. B, AD and Kyle Kuzma, um, specifically from the forward spots could make plays as well. At the time, I thought Bradley was still going to be involved. Um, Rondo was going to be there and Caruso. And that's all without being able to for sure count on a a number two guy because we didn't know about Rondo. That We didn't know he was going to turn into playoff Rondo. Frank Vogel seemed to know, right? Uh, but the rest of us were sort of not so sure about that. And but so I, I kind of even though I thought they could be fine, I could also acknowledge that that was their primary weakness in the regular season. And that was an area that was most obvious for an upgrade. Um, Pete, maybe you could represent your own opinion, how that evolved. And then it, it, the reason I bring it up, of course, is just because that that is another thing to think about for this coming season. Uh, and so but yeah, if you could if you could hit on that, I, I'd be curious if I'm remembering it correctly the way that you saw it. No, no, absolutely. So playoff Rondo showing up as he did, especially. And now our our memory of Rondo in the playoffs, I think that this was such a dominant team that the games in which he was not very good, of which there were several, the Lakers were never really threatened in a series, so it didn't become that much of a storyline. But there were certainly those games, right? And But him emerging as he did in the games where he played especially well, it was like, oh, that guy, that particular skill set, I thought needed to be represented on this team. Rondo provided a great deal of dribble penetration in the playoffs. And having somebody who can do that outside of LeBron, I think is especially helpful. And so we'll get into, you know, who's coming in and, and how how he may bring that to the table. But I actually want to pivot. Uh, we'll get to Rondo a little more later. But Danny Green was kind of our workhorse wing defender. He's not the only wing defender on the team, right? Last year, and Anthony Davis had some big minutes in the playoffs where he, you know, had great minutes on uh, Jimmy Butler. We had Kyle Kuzma step up and and really become better at that. Obviously, LeBron can absorb that responsibility. But when we talk about the idea of eating innings, Danny Green was the guy who was most responsible for defending big wings. He got the most minutes against your best wing player, 
And if he's not going to be back, that's something that as we approach free agency, that's the first place my mind goes to is like, of course, AD and LeBron can do this. Do we want them doing this over the course of 72 games where that's their primary job? Probably not. Kuz got better, but do we want to rely on Kuz being our our innings eater, wing defender, the guy who gets the most minutes there. We know that we've seen KCP be a little bit on the small side to be able to handle some of those bigger wings. So while I I am excited at certain prospects of having secondary ball handling represented a little more heartily on this roster, I, the first place my mind goes, Darius, into free agency is what do we do about wing defense? Yeah, it's a case of whack-a-mole. A little bit right when it comes to filling needs on any roster and you take one thing away or you get one thing but in order to get that one thing that you also need you take another thing away and um this is the beauty of being an nba gm or maybe and or maybe an nba gm would think this is the curse of being an nba gm right is that it's hard to fill every need and it's hard to be a perfect team and the goal ultimately is to minimize your weaknesses as much as you can and paper over them and i think wing wing defense now and probably a little bit more shooting as well rockets up to the top of the priority list whereas earlier you might have thought oh well what do the lakers need the lakers probably need a another ball handler well in theory if they've solved that through through a trade then let's reshuffle those needs right and i'm with you on where i thought that the lakers might target um a stretchy big man potentially right as as a guy who could maybe play some center in smaller lineups in place of Anthony Davis or even play next to AD or play next to a more traditional big man as a stretch four someone in the Markeith Morris mold but better right especially as a defensive player where I thought that might be a priority for the Lakers I think that now gets undercut by this idea of okay well who can be a 6'6 or 6'7 guy, or maybe even bigger, that can shoot the ball some, but also defend at a level where you don't have to ask LeBron and Anthony Davis to tag team on a guy like Kawhi Leonard or a guy like a Paul George or a guy like Giannis, right? Because in crucial minutes, you can pivot to LeBron and AD. But over the course of what we've already been talking about, man, potentially breakneck pace for a 72-game season, I don't want to throw LeBron and AD into the fire consistently over the course of a full season. Mike, do you think that Pete and I are on the right track in terms of prioritization of skill sets now? Or do you still think that there's work to be done in other places of the roster? When you think about a team that just won the title, what's the next step? You're almost trying to picture... In an ideal world, what's the what's a perfect basketball team on paper? What's the way that you add uh, to a team on paper? And so that's why we address the, the the various needs. The two that we brought up today are things that almost every team needs: secondary ball handling, creation, and wing defense. Right? That's those are things that are that are um, hard to find once a team is is built. What's harder to find are two top five players that play both ways, like LeBron and AD. So any discussion that we have realize that the Lakers go into it with a massive cheat code on everybody else. Yeah. And and so I, I only say that as a, as a preface, and I think you guys are right. And over the course of the regular season, you want wing defenders, and the, the Lakers had absolutely enough of that. But what I thought was interesting in the postseason, the style of defense that they play, which is to protect the rim and then overpressure on the perimeter. That, that to me, makes it a little bit less necessary than maybe some teams to just have like a your traditional wing stopper who's who's the big wing who goes out there and just locks somebody up. And that's because when you have AD and or some of the other help they had at the rim, you you're not in too many situations where you're just going to let somebody go one on one on the perimeter. You can trap, right? You can and we Pete, you've, you Dindarius, you guys talked so much about how the Lakers were best as a scrambling attacking defense. And like that's one way, for example, if you're going against Kawhi Leonard. Now, I, I did think that Danny Green was the best defender on him last year, but I, I worry, I guess, at least a little bit less about 
about a uh, about a specific style and in that case because of all of the other the way that the defense is built overall but I don't want to ignore the fact that of course ideally you also just have that guy who you can say go defend him all game stick to him so Darius we talked so much about the you know not only the scrambling style of play that the Lakers had on defense but also their physicality right Danny Green is one of the bigger twos in the NBA he's we've got KCP who's a good defender but he's on the smaller side right Danny's one of the bigger guys who does what he does in the league if he's heading out how much does that change kind of the fundamental identity of what we are defensively I think it changes some for sure the thing is, is so it's tricky, right? Because Danny was a big guy, but I don't necessarily think that size showed up as much in like individual defense, right? Like, mm-hmm. because you talked about last week's of about how Danny Green was like, has been sort of a frustrating player to you on certain yeah. levels, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you mentioned about him specifically is that you felt like his point of attack defense is not maybe as strong as what his reputation says it is. And so that's a tricky thing. I think that the Lakers will likely miss his size more in ways that have to do with help defense rather than at the point of attack. There is an identity factor here that the Lakers risk dipping into some, right? They're not going to lose identity mm-hmm. on bigger, stra- faster, stronger when you're talking about Danny Green, right? Because while Danny Green could be considered bigger, he's neither stronger nor faster, right? So mm-hmm. there are certain things that I think if... Danny Green is no longer a part of the team. I think that there are ways to try to supplement that in ways that can still keep the Lakers very much playing the style of play that they want to play. The thing about Danny is, though, is he is such a great intangibles player. He is like, so I think some of the things that that you have to look at in terms of overall roster are like, all right, well, let's talk about defensive IQ. Let's talk about things in transition defense. Let's talk about potential rim protection from the backcourt. Let's talk about um, gravity as a shooter, right? There are, there are lots of little things that you chip away at potentially, right? And getting some of those things back is an interesting discussion. That said, Mike, one of the ideas that you've talked about a fair amount is this idea of, well, let's reshape. Let's let's not like lose what you were as a championship team, but let's try to make possible tweaks that A, make you potentially stronger as, as a team, but also sort of, reliven and reignite that that hunger right and i think any changes to the roster moving forward either via trade or via free agency have to align in that way as well right and so do you have thoughts about let's remove him from this conversation point entirely just from the perspective of like look if the lakers are going to make a change how do they keep their identity while still remaining hungry. And I'm talking outside of LeBron and AD, right? Because their hunger's a given. I think some of this has to be with role player stuff too, right? Yeah, I I think this might be easier than than some might think. So it it goes back a little bit to what I said as LeBron and AD as the, the fulcrum here, but it's also Frank Vogel and it's also what the defensive identity is in that remains protect the rim and of course you need the personnel for that ad is the thing that helps it the most but then last year of course they had both javel and dwight now, those two were often on the court you have lebron james who can always come over from the weak side you have some other um guys that can that can be good help side defenders for protecting the rim so i think that that's something that to be aware of so that it's not just ad but to keep that rim protection um in hand the second is to have these versatile guards uh, on the perimeter 
that can stick, that can run through screens, guys like KCP, um, guys like Caruso, like that, that's another important element. Um, Avery Bradley, of course, uh, does that so well. And if you, so the identity is LeBron and AD with guys that can help protect the rim and chase around the perimeter. And that's where, like, Pete, I don't mean to be ignoring your your straight up one on one. Just hey, I need a stop in isolation. But I don't, I can't think of too many possessions in the postseason where it was like, uh oh, this guy's really crushing. Now, of course, Jimmy Butler would be the the exception, but like they they had the answer for that, right? Um, in Game Six, and, and and it wasn't the thing like that wasn't the thing that was endangering the Lakers of losing a playoff series. In other words, so. That's the identity part that I think Darius, regardless of that personnel outside of uh, like like they they are aware of LeBron and AD being there and then complementing them with players to keep the philosophy of defense that Vogel put in place. Uh, if, if that makes sense, Pete. It does. It does. Let's take a quick break, and I want to come back and address some of the components of Danny's defense that uh, that. I have a bit of a yes and no response to ah. your point of, about uh, it not, you know, costing us a series or anything like that. But I do think that it was uh, it will be relevant going forward. So let's throw it to break. When we come back, we'll get into that. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, we did not really face a an elite wing until the finals. And that was Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler gave us significant issues. Where I thought he did was, and and again, we can look at and the at wing defenders as this like lockdown type of guy, and that's not really the context in which I consider Danny like the the point of attack defense. You're going to get beat off the dribble. That's not really like he had some issues with Jamal Murray, some smaller guards, which makes sense, right? If you're if you're lauded for your defense in part because you're a bigger and stronger player relative to your position, smaller guys might give you some issues. Jamal Murray did that with Danny Green. But what I saw Miami do and uh, what I think other teams with with elite wings, of which we've got a couple in, in the Western Conference, we did not play them in the playoffs, but uh, they will look to target somebody on the floor in a switch, right? And so when we did lose to Miami, a lot of that was burying KCP under the basket with with Jimmy Butler uh, and and other smaller players, right? They could they would did that against Rondo on a few possessions as well. So there's a certain can we put five guys out there who the defense doesn't go? Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we go after that guy. That I think Danny we we could put Danny and Caruso and LeBron and AD obviously, and then that it was a. KCP was out there, but so was Kuz from time to time. Keefe was out there, right? There are some instances in which you need five guys who are big enough on the floor to to defend, especially against stronger wings. And that's something that, that Mike, I've got concerns about uh, that, you know, will we be able to fill that uh, 
like I think that's necessary in a Western Conference Finals in a in an NBA Finals type of scenario. Well, here's here's my pushback to that. So, what other team had fewer defensive weak spots than the Lakers? Oh, nobody. But that's also why we won. I want to preserve what we've got, well, right? Right, and and yeah, but so and if you're we're talking about this, like I guess the the big wings out there in this specific conversation. So, Kawhi, right? Uh, I guess Paul George, Butler. Who else is is really like one of those huge wings that's going to really get to you in a playoff series? Because the Lakers did go against James Harden. Um, of course, Lillard and Westbrook, different types of guys that you can put guards on and trap. But nonetheless, those are the guys that are going to ISO. Um, Luca, right? We should put in this. Uh, I suppose Giannis in the other conference, but you know there are about, and this is why Durant. LeBron is so valuable. That they're, they're yeah. yeah, KD. All right, I, of course didn't play last year, but who's going to be there for Brooklyn next year? But you know there are about there are about four or five of those guys and. Nobody guards those guys with one guy on the perimeter, ever. You're not just going to get – like, that's not how you you scheme. That's a team defense when you go against a guy that's that good. Same thing that they did with Harden. Same thing that they did with Lillard. Same thing with Murray and Jokic to an extent. So that's why I don't want to dismiss the the concern, sort of like I, I felt like I was dismissing the lack of secondary ball handling thing last year. And maybe maybe I do that too much, so I'm, I'm asking you to come back at me. But that's that's where like I don't have that same level of concern because I'm I'm like well yeah there th- that that's the reason why there are these four or five guys and there isn't this one wing defender that's also going to be able to you know knock down a million threes and it's just going to take care of that problem for you. It's tricky for me with in centering this conversation around Danny because Danny's a player that I have greatly appreciated as a Laker. He caught a ton of flack for, I think, more his offensive deficiencies and probably not enough credit for what he did defensively in a lot of ways. But then the credit that he did get may have been misapplied in certain ways. So he's like a tricky player to evaluate within the context of of everything. My pushback to Pete's point is more, I don't know if long-term, even next season, if Danny would have been the solution that even to the issue that Pete's talking about, right? And, and so that player may not have even been Danny Green, right? right and and right. so there's a full roster evaluation that I think we need to be looking at. And it's not just about, oh, the Lakers lost this one guy and replacing and or are about to lose this one guy and and oh replace that one guy replace that one guy like no i think that this is still a conversation about skill sets and not individual players and Absolutely. how and how do you represent that skill set on your roster and going into free agency i would have i i still prefer that another bigger wing is a guy that should have been in that should have been a consideration the entire time because where I think the Lakers were strongest this season was obviously with LeBron, who is who cannot be classified as as a player, but he is a but he is a front court guy, right? He has he does he does point guardy things in terms of what you need offensively, but he does them as a 6'9", 260-pound guy, right? And so that also means that he plays a lot like a crazy skilled big man. And then Anthony Davis is a big man. And then, you know, a lot of the ways that the Lakers showed versatility was with their big men. They brought in Markeith Morris. It's like, oh no, this isn't a Markeith Morris series now. This is a Dwight Howard series. Or like, oh, let's eat a bunch of innings with JaVale McGee. And where I thought the Lakers were less equipped and had to paper over things in certain ways was on the perimeter, right? And they... Well, it's hard to talk about this with with the context of Rondo, right? Because Rondo's performances, I think, put the Lakers over the top, but I don't know if they were instrumental in terms of raising their floor. What they did was raise their ceiling more. And so this is an interesting conversation framework here that I'm going to push push back to you, Pete. But some of the things that I feel like you're talk, talking about in terms of wing defense are raising the floor, for this team, because the ceiling stuff, I think, is still going to go back to the point that Mike's been come coming back to, which is LeBron and AD, right? Because mm-hmm. as because they 
their unlimited ceiling project the Lakers to have a crazy high ceiling. But yeah. Ha- yeah. And, and I and I'm just and I'm just taking the even take any one wing player or whatever out of it. I'm just trying to bring it more to the team defense concept sure. with this, and that that seems to be Pete where where we're. Um, and I, look, I actually don't think we're really far off here. No. Um, I just like that might that might be the, like I might be I'm discussing one thing um, like a, a Honeycrisp apple and you're discussing like a what's another kind of pink apple? lady uh, pink, Fuji? pink lady. OK, like a pink lady. <laughs> like we're not apples and oranges here. Right. Right. We're just like a slightly different flavor. But, but you go. Pete. Yeah, go no, ahead it's just a matter of like how much does it matter? So so what is the negative? And so first off, I want to Darius is exactly right in that this is a matter of representing skill sets rather than individual players in my mind. The thing about Danny's performance in the playoffs last year is that shooters like him always have value so long as they have a bit of gravity, like, oh, we've got to close out to him. Where I had a harder and harder time with him as the playoffs went on is that it, it, it's not just the shooting percentage. It was teams were leaving him, right? Teams were were – he did not possess the same gravity that he had in the past, and so replacing, finding another wing defender with size does not necessarily have to be attached to a holy crap, that's this guy is going to make seven threes if we don't close out to him type of guy. And I think that there are guys that we can look toward in free agency that can help represent that skill set. But with respect to the why does this matter and how much does it matter, I I think that targeting individual defenders becomes so specific. So such a part of a playoff series where teams really zero in on your roster. And it's something that we saw in the one series in which we did face a a dominant wing. And you're right, Mike, that there aren't a lot of those guys in, but when you talk about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that could be a, a Western conference finals, Kevin Durant, that could be a finals opponent. At some point, this is going to matter in series that like, I don't see us losing in the first or second round anyway. So are we talking about making moves for a handful of players in the NBA? Like, yeah, but I, I'm actually okay with that. I can I just say too that the targeting aspect is interesting as from this perspective as well. Is you don't want to you want to have to make them target something, and you don't want to have actually just give them give that matchup up at the very beginning or make it so that it has to be LeBron or it has to be Anthony Davis. And to me, that was much more Danny's value over the past year. It's that he represented a viable option because we saw, so the first game of the year where Kawhi absolutely cooked KCP, right? And uh, granted that was the, first game of the year. But I think that the Lakers learned some lessons from that in that, all right, well, let's try to overlap these minutes a little bit more, or let's give LeBron a bigger shot at this, or let's give AD a bigger shot shot at this. And what I want the Lakers to try to do too is, is fortify that a little bit more to not say, okay, well, a potential star starting lineup is... Um, is KCP, um, LeBron, Alex Caruso, Anthony Davis, and name your other big man, right? Then in that instance, LeBron is forced into that role, potentially, right? Or you're basically just saying, hey, Alex Caruso, or hey, KCP, go defend this bigger wing. And to Mike's point, you then scheme from a team perspective in order to try to to make that individual player's life harder. But to Pete's point, some of that team scheme, like some of that stuff just goes out the window when you're talking about the very best players in the league. And there is no stopping those guys one-on-one, so to speak, but some individual defenders can make those guys' lives harder, right? And you don't want them to be able to just get to whatever spot they want or compromise the defense in such a way that you have to send help or you have to double team. And like, it's a cat and mouse game. And, and there is a bunch of chess involved here, right? Where you want to try to make your, your initial opening as strong as possible in order to fortify yourself. And it's a tricky conversation because look, Danny 
Danny's you've been, been a lot of you've been watching a lot of Queen's Gambit. I can tell by all of the language that you're using. Strong I will say openings this, and fortifying position. And <laughs> I will say this though, Danny's been. I, I have been watching a lot of Queen's Gambit, but I will say that Danny was also what like a twenty minute a game player, like. Right by the time the playoffs ended and he wasn't in the closing lineup a lot, mm-hmm. right? Like I think he was one of the lower, lower guys from a starter's perspective in terms of being like a fourth quarter minutes player. And so some of this is like, okay, well, a player's important. How important is he as an individual player? And this is why I'm pivoting back to skill sets. Like, let's get more of that skill set on the roster. And that's what free agency, I feel like, is for. I don't, don't know. Well, and so I also think that if we're talking, we're, we keep talking about one thing uh, in, in kind of one name defensively in this context, but Markeith Morris is another guy that can hold up against some of those players. Kuzma, I think, can continue to make um, to, to grow there. But ultimately, when you're trying to win a basketball game, and especially in the playoffs, and I think we all agree that the Lakers are going to make the playoffs, um, and they should be able to determine what their seed is to some extent based on how hard they push for it. That's the ultimate luxury of having two of these guys in LeBron or AD that can take possessions on that one of, again, the th- four or five other guys in the NBA. And the only other team that had that up or had that that could do that last year was the Clippers. Now they didn't; they ultimately failed for many reasons. But whatever the other teams are that we're talking about, they're not even having this conversation. Like, man, is there a third elite like guy that we can put out there for a game in, in the playoffs? <laughs> like, no, that, that, that's the whole point. You've got LeBron and AD, to, and and you've got some of these other names that I mentioned, and we don't know how the roster is going to get filled out. So that's that's all. I, I, I find myself, again, um, wanting to self-apologize, wanting to apologize for being dismissive. Um, but it's just no, a... No, it's a, it's a it, good it's, point, though, Mike. That isn't, the, that isn't an area that I worry about, is but, all I'm saying. Right. So So then is this... I mean, what is the degree to which this matters to you then right because wing defense is something obviously that you know you you know it's important right but you make a fair point right like that we've got two guys that when we really really need it right so how important is that being represented elsewhere on the roster is this a bit player type of like is that the need relative to kind of what when it when it all comes down to it yeah, I mean that's more of a philosophical thing. I guess I'm just I'm just putting a lot of weight into having what you have established with LeBron and AD, and that it still remains the ultimate weapon. Because as we've talked about before, the other things that I'm dismissive of are like having your best player be a point guard um, in, for a playoff run, because that guy A is not going to be able to help you that much defensively, and B you can put big dudes on him. Mm-hmm. So like that's a that's a whole nother thing. Same thing now in the modern day NBA, having a traditional center um, as your guy or as as one of your stars is also difficult because he can either be taken advantage of on def- on uh, the defensive side of the court by having him brought out to the perimeter um, or sort of attacked and, and not allowed to catch on the block. And that same unless it's like Shaq, right, where you're and there is no Shaq. So that's I like I, I'm all about having the, the big the two way wings. It's just like the Lakers have two of the best ones. And, and so I do think that having that follow through with the rest of the roster is great. Um, but like the this this Lakers roster is going to be, I think, pretty loaded. Um, however, they address the various things with guys with player options. If they if they make a trade, if they um, if they end up making a draft pick, like whatever it is, it all looks a lot better. And, and now I'm being repetitive, Darius, but it the, the LeBron and AD thing kind of covers over a lot of that is the this ultimate simple point that I that I make. I'm with you there. Can I ask you guys then a different question, right? Because for all the talk about um this deal, the Lakers going into free agency actually have a bunch of other questions, right? Um they've got their own free agents that are going to make their own decisions and then it's going to dictate their next steps, for example. So let me ask you both about like KCP, Markeith Morris, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, JaVale McGee. The That's five players right there, right? Avery Bradley and JaVale McGee were starters. 
Markeith Morris was a key rotation player as, like, you know, it, like a seventh or eighth man, but he started a bunch during the Houston series and was key during the Miami series as well. KCP became a starter during the restart and was probably the Lakers' third best player during their championship run. So these are important guys. Like, can I ask you guys then, how important now is re-signing KCP? Oh, man, KCP's, I, I think, essential. And I think that his speed and his... We talked in the last pod where we were celebrating the role players' contributions to the title of his... He was able with AD's arrival to really be slotted into a position where he can just do what he's good at. And he'd worked very hard as a, a shooter. He was, he sped up his release. We talked about some of the mechanics in the last pod on that and just his speed and that aggressiveness that Mike was talking about on the perimeter defensively shooting passing lanes, uh, and just applying that really fit alongside LeBron and AD. So I do think that bringing him back, especially in light of this news, uh, he was coming off the bench, right? Behind Danny Green for much of the season. Would a move like this cement him as as a starter? It might. It also, I've got, you know, we'll get into more of, of who may be coming. Uh, and I've been watching tape on on him all day, and I'm ex- excited to talk more about that. But there's some questions about our size in the backcourt now that yeah. did not necessarily exist uh, prior to this report. Um, and so, but he's he's essential because he is a wing player in that he's not a guard from the perspective of being a ball handler. But you can run him off of screens. I thought Vogel did a wonderful job this year of rather than running him off of screens as we did for about two and a quarter seasons, because Vogel started off running KCP off of a lot of those stagger screens. Now it became handoffs, handoffs. right? Handoffs. handoffs that we've talked a lot about and really put KCP in a position to succeed. Other people were there to absorb. And I think that this discussed move puts KCP more in a position to not have to absorb ball handling responsibilities that he wouldn't necessarily need to have. And with respect to your broader point of, of everybody, I, I really want just about everybody back. Um, the, the one place is we need more out of the starting center spot. I think that we need to upgrade from JaVale in that spot. So uh, one of the potential aspects of this trade is uh, under certain circumstances, we would have the full MLE at our disposal, which would be about 9.7 million, as opposed to as things currently stand, we'd be looking at the taxpayers MLE at about 5.7 million. So you could be talking, we've, we're talking about, hey, maybe wing defense is represented by a more of a bit player, right? Maybe that $4 million difference is that one guy who is appropriate for one or two playoff series, but maybe not all of the playoffs, right? That was true of a lot of our role players, right? And so that ability to shapeshift that really, we really lauded, I think that we can get guys at, at, you know, price points that are more appropriate than, uh, it, while, you know, if, if we get what we think is coming back, we've got somebody who does something that's very definitive, right? That's very, this is what he does. And this is, uh, you know, skill sets that are represented that, to a greater extent, especially with second unit groups than, than were before. So I don't know. Where do you stand on Darius's question, Mike? Yeah, I just, I think that, you know, to keep it as simple as possible, run it back with, uh, with a, a move, a, a tweak or two. And I, I'll keep going back to that reference of I, the, the runner test from Ariza upgrade, um, from, 08 and 09 teams to 910, like something to inject some energy. Um, but for the most part, like nobody beat you and nobody really came close to beating you. There are some teams that are going to get better, um, mm-hmm. that are absolutely going to challenge. And so you can't just stay completely stagnant. Uh, and I don't think that the Lakers will, but for the most part, what they did really worked well and really worked nicely. And so a lot, all the guys that you mentioned, Darius, um, had played some, uh, you know, significant roles. It's not like when, when we went through this roster, we were sitting there thinking, well, man, like this guy's got to go. You know, yeah. like this guy's terrible, nor is there a contract that that you that is like has to be jettisoned out. That's going to that's going to prohibit the Lakers from doing something in the future. And so um, that's that's a that's why I, I liked where it is for the most part um, with a couple of tweaks. And uh, and, you know, I think that that we should be excited about what's to come. Can I reframe this to do any of these guys become more important in the aftermath of a potential deal like this? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
I would well, say... The, the, so the, mm-hmm. go, go ahead, you got it. I'd love to have Keith back. Um, I don't know how doable that is, but I thought that he gave us some degree of physicality that different position than Danny, for sure, but he's the one guy, and obviously Dwight brings that as well, but he's not a perimeter player. That yeah. The ability to be physical and be able to knock down open threes, in a very simple sense, that's there's some overlap with Danny that I think that bringing Keefe back or a player uh, that fits that description of kind of a rugged physical guy that can make open shots, I think he's the one guy that kind of gets uh, – his importance gets elevated if if this deal goes down. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Pete. And, and Pete was on Keith being being good and being important early in the postseason um, on that same text thread I always reference. So the the two pl- the two players that I think of um, just as in general going into next season are actually two that are not up for deals. Like Caruso is guaranteed for next year. Kuzma is guaranteed, and of course we have to wait and see what happens there. Is there going to be a, a, a rookie extension? Uh, is there not? There, we have to kind of wait and see on that. But I think Kuz and Caruso still have room to grow as players, and so that always excites me. And I, so that's there. I don't think they're. It's not a direct answer, Darius, because, of course, you're talking about guys with player options and we'll see what happens. But um, I in alternate guys, of course, not Kuz and Caruso, but I'm excited about where Kuz can take his game to next year. Um, if he can get some more minutes, if he can expand his role defensively and Caruso as well coming off of starting game six, how far can they push Caruso? Like how how much more uh, what like at, what is the ceiling for Caruso? This sort of amazingly key glue role player. Do they want to push that more, Pete? Yeah, so that's Caruso is an underrated wing defender. He's somebody that could be an option here. We ran a lot of Rondo KCP Caruso lineups in which Caruso is very sturdy at holding his holding that point of attack, not getting back down. He's going to lose some physical battles, but it's more from guys. And he might draw a charge too, Pete. Yeah, he, he's yeah, also he might, good. Like if, if mm-hmm. you're you know if you're trying to bull him over, you know you have to kind of be wary of that too. Absolutely, and the guys who were able to win physical battles against him were more getting ahead of steam off of the dribble and getting a shoulder uh, into into him. And so that's like Russell Westbrook type of guy. But your wings are generally not, you know, take a dribble back and get ahead of steam type of guys. And AC gets a good wide base and is able to hold his ground. So I think that in terms of representing skill sets, even though he doesn't have the size necessarily in terms of height, you can go over the top of him. But even then, he's got some ability there. What do you think about AC as kind of a an unconventional wing defense option if we're trying to represent skill sets as we've been talking about throughout this pod? I like Caruso a lot, just defending one through three a fair amount. I'd prefer him on like more ball handling guards that are like his size or smaller. Um, For sure. You you know Caruso can get a little handsy at times. He can be foul prone in certain situations. So it's something to watch for for me. What I love about him is his competitiveness. Um, one of the guys that you guys haven't brought brought up, but I think could fit the bill to my question about does this guy become more important potentially is a guy like Avery Bradley, who is more of a combo guard, but um, has. Good wingspan is a real physical toughness guy and is more of a point of attack guy, right? And so we've talked a lot about skill sets being represented. I think Caruso is probably the best guy on the roster as a help defender, which is something that Danny Green is excellent at, whereas KCP is more of a lock and trail defender and a shoot the gap as um, a steals guy defender and Avery Bradley is a great point of attack guy. And so I think you can put Bradley on bigger players if they are going to be point of attack isolation guys. And that could be helpful there too. So I think the Lakers have guys in the mix here. Um, I would like more size, but to Mike's point, like I'm interested to see how Kuz develops here too. And really, comes into his own as as a defensive player but what you got mike well i just i'm just thinking more about caruso and i so everything that he did last year defensively clearly worked okay he was excellent in all walks but if you if you need in certain lineups let's say it's you know it's lebron ad uh kuz and 
um, KCP or something, and which was which was probably their best closing lineup. Um, it I guess Kuz, you know, flopping and out with Green certain certain circumstances, but Caruso is also really smart. So if you have him on a bigger wing, he's gonna know exactly where to uh, where the help is coming from, where to shade him. Okay, wait, where's AD? You know, how far off do I play? Like that kind of stuff that, that he's just the basketball IQ thing. And he is, it's not like he's small. He's six five and he's strong, mm-hmm. right? He's wiry. So, but that, that to me also makes me worry a little bit less about sort of that backcourt size. Cause we don't think of Caruso um, as a big guard, but he kind of, he can play bigger um, as Pete just alluded to. So that's just a, an interesting wrinkle. I'd love to ask Vogel about sort of, and, and ask Caruso himself about as to what's going to happen next year defensively and how how many of these lineups can you, I don't want to say get away with, but can you have Caruso in more of that role if needed? Uh, so it's he, everything with Caruso intrigues me, uh, and it's because of that that mix of athleticism and hoops IQ that we always fawn over. For sure. And I think that he, that versatility and then represented about in that massive head start that we have with LeBron and AD that you always talk about, Mike, um, that we're in great shape going forward. Um, if this deal in principle goes down, um, we've talked a lot in this pod about kind of what we've, we would be losing under uh, such, such circumstances. Hopefully on the next one, we can get into more of what we would be getting. I've got a lot of thoughts, been watching a lot of tape and, uh, Excited to to see what direction that goes in. I'm very intrigued by the 2021 Lakers. Uh, but yeah, hopefully next time we record, we'll be able to talk about what's coming in. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, one. Miss it. Unbelievable. Right. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.